Let's ask God to bless us. Lord, we just thank you for this time in your word. We just ask that you would bless it to each person and just tailor it for each person's needs. That uh, if we need to be motivated to study the Bible more, may it, today's lesson do that. And if we need to be motivated to love you more, may it do and to realize your power and your greatness and that you are the only God that can tell the future. No other religion has prophecy. And so how wonderful that you, you've enlightened us on what you're going to do clear to the very end. So as we progress through these things, uh, past Daniel even, because he talks about the resurrection of the just and the unjust, and he talks about the end of time. So Lord, as we consider these things, plus the other scriptures that have to do with them, just bless them to our hearts today. In Jesus' wonderful, powerful name, amen. amen. We're in the last part of Daniel, and last week I just never have quite gotten all of the 11th chapter of Daniel, but going over it and over again, and I'm reading Dr. Ryrie's notes and Dr. Morris's notes and every other note I can find, um, it seems like from Daniel's time on, God had told him in chapter 2 and chapter 7 and then 8 about these four world empires and that they would be from Daniel's time on. There were world empires before that, but from Daniel's time on, these world empires. And so it would be Babylon, and he was a part of that. Both he and Ezekiel were among those that were taken captive to Babylon for 70 years. Daniel read in the prophecy in Jeremiah that it would be 70 years that they would be punished there because of their idolatry, and God would let these wicked, wicked people take them captive for 70 years, and then they would be released. And all of this has happened, brings us to the end of the Old Testament, how the Persians, when they defeated the Babylonians, Cyrus the Persian decided to let all of the captives that came to Babylon go back home if they wanted to. Now, not all of them wanted to. They were settled down now in Babylon. They stayed there. But a lot of people went back to Jerusalem, and that's Ezra and Nehemiah, those times in the last part of the Old Testament. So we're almost at the 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew. So there are 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we're, we're almost in that time. But God gives Daniel in this ninth chapter and, and all through the book of what God's going to do through these four world empires. And he said, in the end times, they'll all be back on the world scene at the same time. See, in the end of days, the old Roman Empire will be reinstituted, the Babylonian, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. They'll all be back on the world scene, and they are today. And so it's a very interesting time because no matter how you look at it, we're in the last days. We're in the time almost before Jesus is going to come back. We don't know just when and set up his kingdom, but we know that before he sets up his kingdom, he's told us in the New Testament that the believers will be caught away before the time of trouble. And that's in Second Thessalonians very clearly that it says that we will be raptured and then will that wicked one be revealed that like Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to be a very wicked world ruler. And that's what we're seeing here in Daniel 11, that these prophecies happened between from Daniel's time to the end of Daniel 11 until 12, that 
um, the prophecy really talks about the king of the north and the king of the south and the kings of the east. Well, in Daniel's day, north was Syria and south was Egypt. But in our day, we saw last week, it's the far north, so it would include all of Russia and all that area. This is going to be a conflagration, a worldwide war. And we know that the Antichrist will come to power, but not right away. After the church is caught away, then we'll start these seven years of tribulation. It's going to be just terrible. The Jewish people will go through just terrible, terrible persecution like they've never been before, worse than, worse than Hitler, worse than Nebuchadnezzar, and even worse than what they're doing today. As I understand this Issa group that has taken over Mosul, they are mainly going after Christians and beheading them and crucifying them. And just today, I think I sent it out, I get a direct access to Iraq through Azaman. You can go online and look that site up and say you want it in English. It's a really terrible thing because much of the wealth is up in northern part of Iraq, which is Mosul, where the Kurds are. And that's where the Medes and the Persians were. That Medes, the Kurds are the ancient Medes. And there's great oil wealth there. And it mentions in some of the other articles that came today of just this last week that the wheat harvest is just huge. So we don't know what's going on over here like we can do when we get news right from their newspaper. That's what that one is, really. But he said that how terribly cruel they are. They really want to wipe out probably Jews and Christians and get all of them out of there. Well, it's nothing new. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He was cruel. But see, as, as I said before, the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. Now, I think that's one of the Psalms. But dark places of the earth where Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is not known, there is great, great cruelty. Throwing babies away and eating your own flesh. And I mean, this goes on. You just can't imagine the degradation that humanity can fall into under Satan. Who's behind all of this? The devil. Because he hates man. He hates that he isn't in control, that man is given dominion over this earth. He wants to wipe him out. So we saw in Daniel 11 that finally this Antichrist in verse 21, in his place, now it moves from Daniel's day down from the Syrians and the Egyptian and they're fighting back and forth in Daniel's day up to the time past Daniel until the end of the Old Testament they'll be fighting. But then it says, and in the end times, in his place, verse 20, arise a vile person. So now this vile person that they will not give the honor royalty, he'll come in peaceably, seize the kingdom by intrigue, and so he'll come with a small number and enter peaceably into the richest places of the province. This is how he's going to do with Israel. There's going to be a great invasion of Israel. We saw that last week in Ezekiel 38. If you weren't here, get the tape, because I can't go through it all. But you need to see that all of the nations surrounding Israel, and they're all Muslim, they are going to form a great horde that is going to attack Israel to drive them into the ground. And it's kind of like Psalm 83. So in connection, keep your finger here in the last part of Daniel, but turn back to start with Psalm 83, because we didn't take it last week. 
But this, oh, you get a lot of emails about this one because it seems that everybody sees that this could apply to our day in which we live. Uh, it says, the Psalm of Asaph, do not keep silent, O God, Psalm 83. Don't hold your peace. Do not be still, O God, for behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people, that would be Israel, and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation. Now, see, this has happened down through the ages, and it's happening in today. I think this applies to today. These Arabs, they want to take crafty counsel, and, and they want to say, let us cut them off from being a nation. Well, what do the Persians want to do? Drive them into the sea. They all do. All of the Palestinians, they want to get rid of them and they want to have Jerusalem. See, that's the prize. And I was reading last night, and I don't see it in this last new Bible of Henry Morris, but it's in an older version of Henry Morris's notes about how the prize is Jerusalem. The prize, not just Jerusalem, but a place in Jerusalem, which is where the temple is. And it's the place where Abraham was told by God to go and sacrifice Isaac, and then that's the place that he didn't have to sacrifice him, but it was Mount Moriah, and it later became Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is where the temple is. Uh, you know, now today they're saying, oh, that isn't the right place where the mosque is. Yes, it is. It's the right place, and the mosque is there, and at the times of the Gentiles, Henry was saying in this thing I was reading late last night, I couldn't quit reading. It was so wonderful that these people are going to try to absolutely, um, they will hold on by a slim thread power over Jerusalem because the Arabs have control over that. For some reason, the Jewish people, even though they've won the land, they gave authority to these Palestinian people, to the Arabs, to have their mosque there. Well, the Arabs think that's the beginning. That's where the temple has got to be. That's where God is going to put his throne. That's where Jesus is going to come back, right to that spot. And when you go over there and visit, in, in my Easter book, if you don't have one, take one, because I drew a little map of exactly when you go over and visit with the garden tomb, you see in this garden of Gethsemane, this tomb that's there, and then you can look up and see a place of a skull. You go up and walk up a little path, at least, 40 or 30 years ago when I went over there, uh, you could see where he was crucified on the place of a skull. And then you could look down. There's a road there now, but it was all at one time one mountain. Just down the hill is where the mosque is today. That is the place. You could walk down there. But when they dug out the rock to build Solomon's temple, and that's when they made the place of the skull. It looks like a skull, and it does look like a skull. And so that's the place that Jesus is going to come back and the Mount of Olives is going to be split in two and this mount is going to be the place where Jesus is going to build his temple. And you and I will be there. We Christians will be able to go there and worship with him. And there will be sacrifices of animals again. Uh, you say, well, why? Well, it will be memorial. They will be looking back to what Jesus did so that always people will remember the price that was paid for your sins and my sins to have us clean before God. It takes a blood sacrifice. And the animal sacrifice was sufficient until Jesus came. It never took away sins. But Jesus, God's lamb, when he died, it took away our sins. This is what Ezekiel 
the last part of Ezekiel says about the rebuilding of the temple and that they will have sacrifices again. And David will be maybe vice-regent with Jesus. I don't know, but he'll be back there. Daniel will be there. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. And little us will be there looking on, <laughs> seeing what's going on. And I think it'll be wonderful to think about that. But he said here, Behold, your enemies make a tumult. They've taken crafty counsel. They've said, Let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they've consulted together with one consent, form a confederacy against you. Well, who are these people? The tents of Edom. Now, do you remember? The Edomites were from Esau. Did Esau love his brother Jacob? No, they hated each other from the beginning, and it's been an ancient hatred. It moves on to say it's an ancient hatred. The tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, and the Hagarites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia, and the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also is joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. So, these are all nations that surrounded Israel. They all hate them. They say, deal with them like you did with Midian, as with Sisera, when Barak and Deborah. These are from the stories from the book of Judges. And you need to reread Judges. This is from Judges 4 and then 5, then Judges 7 and 8. All of these characters are from those passages in Judges. It says, deal with them you did with Midian, as with Sisera. And as with Jabin at the brook of Kishon, Jabin was the king of Canaan, who perished at Endor, who became as refuge on the earth. Due to Edom and Ishmael and Moab and all these people that hate Israel, like you did before, make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb. They were a Midianite princes. Yes, and all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna. These were kings of Midian. Now that's the time of Gideon who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. So way back, these ancient hatreds, they said, let's take Israel, these pastures of God, for a possession for us. We want that land. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods, as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. God's going to do this. And we read that, didn't we, last week in the 38th chapter of Ezekiel when, when this northern army of Muslim people from the far north come down on Israel. Maybe that's going to be at the first part. That won't be Gog, but that'll be Gog from up north. It won't be the Antichrist. But they'll be coming down, and then that'll be one of the battles that's going to take place, a horrible thing. Read 38 again, how God is going to destroy them like the chaff, like fire burns the woods as flame sets the mountains on fire. Pursue them with your tempest, frighten them with your storm, fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Well, so that's exactly what's going to happen. We saw last week that the Egyptians and all the people that are around Israel are going to do this. And so back to Daniel, we saw that one of the battles is going to be when this group comes down from the far north and God is going to destroy them there on the mountains of Israel. That'll be one of the early, that seven years 
is the book of Revelation and awful things are going to happen. There's other things that are going to happen that we didn't touch on last week, but it says here in verse 36 that in the tribulation, this Antichrist will do according to his own will. He will exalt and magnify himself above every God and speak blasphemies against the God of gods and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses. He'll be a man of war. And a God which his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver and precious stones and pleasant things. So he's going to do all this. And then it says, at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him. So there's another battle. So this will probably be all of Africa by that time. All of Africa and all the wealth of Africa. They'll come against him with chariots, horsemen, and many ships. And he'll enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. Then he'll enter the glorious land. This will be Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape from his hand. Edom, Moab, and the people of Ammon. Now that's an interesting thing. They, some way they're going to escape this particular battle. He will stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. So perhaps this is Egypt and Libya and Ethiopia, all of these great nations in Africa. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. Just this week I saw, you know, you think Egypt is so downtrodden. They are building a mall that you wouldn't believe. Did I send that to you or did you see it? Someplace I got it online that it's just unbelievable. They have ice skating rinks and skiing things in this mall in Egypt. And so there's plenty of money there. We just don't get the full story at all. Uh, But news from the east and north shall trouble him. So these are going to be more battles. Now I want us to turn back to Revelation 16 just a minute about some more of this battle that's going to happen. Well, first of all, just a few verses from chapter 14, because chapter 13 is where it describes the Antichrist, this person that's going to be the final world ruler. But he's going to have to have a lot of battles in order to be the world ruler. And that tells all about him. And that if you don't worship him and worship his image that he's going to put, then you'll be beheaded. You know, with all of the beheadings that are going on now, that makes you think we are near the end because that's going to be one of the modes of getting rid of people, beheading. And as they're doing with the Christians out of Mosul, they're crucifying them and beheading them by the thousands. So we need to be praying. I got this from Joel Rosenberg today, his blog, that we need to really be praying for the Christians that are fleeing, even right now. Where will they flee? Where will they go? And how will they eat and with their children? But it says here that during this tribulation period in verse 6 of chapter 14, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city. Now, see, Babylon is just south of Mosul right today. Uh, That's ancient. What is the name of it now? They've changed it. 
Baghdad. 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 But see, Baghdad, that's a recent name. It's, it's really, its name is Babylon. That's ancient Babel. So that's where the Tower of Babel was. So Babylon and, and its evil influence from Genesis on, there are two cities in the Bible, Babylon and Jerusalem. One Satan and one is going to be God's. But so Babylon has always been bad and not, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So that's why we need to be watching what's going on over there because it's very interesting. Babylon is going to come to the fore. It's going to be the capital, the capital city of this Antichrist, this man of sin. And that's nothing new. Alexander the Great wanted to make Babylon his capital. Others had. Probably Hitler was headed that way. They all want that. It's the center of the world's landmass, as is Jerusalem. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she's made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So why did God send his people for 70 years to Babylon? Because they had become idolaters and they weren't worshiping the Lord. And Babylon was the seat of idolatry. That's the heart of it. It was a terrible place. They would have to worship the golden image, worship, or you were thrown into a fiery furnace. And so Babylon, finally, it's going to be raised up again and watch it become great. And Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she's made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. You could read about her in Jeremiah 51. I've put all this in here. Well, I could read you one or two verses. Keep your finger right here. It says, it's the time of the Lord's vengeance. Babylon 51 verse 7. Babylon was a golden cup. Now, when we come to Revelation 18, this is the same language about Babylon, the city, the final city. <clears throat> Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk, that nations drank her wine. Therefore, the nations are deranged. So, Babylon's splendor is again going to be in the last days, like Dubai, for example. And Dubai, you just look up the street, you see Babylon, all of that area. Babylon is fallen. Wail for her, take balm for her pain. And then it moves on here, verse 24 of that same chapter. I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea, all of that area, all of Iraq or Babylon, for all the evil they've done in Zion in your sight. So they've done a great evil to the Jewish people. Behold, I'm against you, O destroying mountain. So when you see about mountains, about seven mountains in Revelation, a mountain is a king or a kingdom. So we see, I'm against you, O destroying mountain. That would be Babylon. So it's a destroying mountain. Who destroys all the earth, says the Lord. And I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you down from the rocks and make you a burnt mountain. They shall not take from you a stone for a corner nor a stone for a foundation, but you shall be desolate forever, says the Lord. So this hasn't happened yet, has it? Someday this whole area is going to be the city of Hillah. I've written on a note here is built from the old foundations of Babylon. You know, one city is built on the foundation of another over there. It says, set up a banner in the land, blow the trumpet among the nations, and call the kingdoms together against her. So here are the Scythians, the Medes, the, the Turks, and they'll all come against Babylon in the last days. And the land will tremble 
and sorrow, to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitant. So after the Antichrist makes it his capital, then God is going to destroy it someday. Verse 37, Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. How many times I've read from Christian expositors that this has already happened. It has not already happened. You can see that. Without an inhabitant, they shall roar like lions, growl like lions whelps. In their excitement, I will prepare their feast. I'll make them drunk that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep. God is going to do away with Babylon. How Babylon has become desolate. The sea has come up over Babylon, verse 42. Now, when you look down at a map in the back, if you have a map of the Persian Gulf, and you see Babylon is up there at the sea, the Persian Gulf can just, it, between the two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, is a great plain on which these cities are built. And the Persian Gulf, God can just make a great flood come up there and drown everything and wipe it all out. And that's what it says he's going to do. The sea has come up over Babylon. She's covered with a multitude of its waves. Her cities are in desolation and so forth. Um, my people, verse 45, God is warning the Jewish people, leave her. But you see, even in the 18th chapter of Revelation, because of all the wealth and all the business deals that they could do, the Jews won't leave. They like all that business. And so God is going to see to it. But so notice what it says, Babylon, back to Revelation, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city. She's made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then a third angel followed, saying with a loud voice, if anybody worships the beast in his image, receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall be drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. And this person who takes the mark of the beast will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. That would be Jesus. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. This is in the tribulation. Yes, says the Holy Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And so we said, I looked to behold a white cloud and on the cloud one like the Son of Man, that would be Jesus, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice, to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap. For the harvest of the earth, not just a field, the whole harvest of the earth is ripe. And that's how God, the language he uses for how he's going to cause the end of the tribulation to wipe out all these people. He who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle, gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. 
and the wine press was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the wine press up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furlongs, or 200 miles. Blood will run. This is the final battle of Armageddon. Four and a half feet at blood run. How could that be? be? Unless there are millions of people that have come from all over the world to wipe out Jerusalem, wipe out God, do away with God. So then it says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them, in these seven last plagues, the wrath of God is complete. And so after these things, then it says, oh, these terrible things, <laughs> these bold judgments of the last three and a half years. Wouldn't it be awful to be, whether you live or not, but be even alive or around during this awful time? You know, that's, if there's no reason for other than to go to heaven and believe in Jesus, you'd miss all this. We will miss all of this. Because imagine, I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers. Do you see why there's going to have to be new heavens and new earth? Because this one is going to be totally ruined. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O God, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. We know from the Bible that Jesus is this judge. Jesus is given the judgeship of doing this, to get rid of this. They've shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink, for it's their just due. And I heard another angel from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to the sun to scorch men with fire. Imagine having everybody be scorched by the sun being brought. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent nor give God glory. Then the fifth angel, here's where we wanted to see, poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. How do we know that it's Babylon? On the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. It is Babylon. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and sores and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east, this would be all of the eastern bloc clear to China, India, all that area east. And so the kings of the east, and that's what we read, the way of the kings of the east in Daniel 11, so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that would be Satan, and out of the mouth of the beast, that would be the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, that would be the anti-Holy Spirit. See, Satan always has to imitate God. So God is a trinity, he'll be a trinity. The beast, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. These are the spirits of demons performing signs. So can demons perform signs? Yes. So when you say, oh, a sign, well, you just be careful who's doing the sign. 
the demons went out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So everybody in the world, that's how the blood can run four and a half feet from the horse's bridle. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Now, when is he coming as the thief? It doesn't say for the rapture. He's coming as a thief at the end of the tribulation. I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. Now, when he's coming for the rapture, it said, but you, brethren, are not in ignorance about the day of the rapture, for you know about when it's going to be. See, and that's how we do know about when it's going to be. But when Jesus is coming back and Armageddon's happening, it's going to happen so quickly. And that's what I thought of that this morning when I saw the news, how quickly this Issa group has taken Mosul, that they just, like Alexander, just flew across the ground. That's what they're doing. They're doing it so quickly, and they are so cruel. If they aren't a picture of Antichrist, I don't know what is. So then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and the loud voice came from the temple of heaven, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. So this is going to be just terrible earthquakes. The mountains weren't found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, every hailstone of the weight of a talent. And in Job 38, it talks about the hail that he's reserved for the time of trouble. God has reserved these things for this end time of the battle of Armageddon. Great hail from heaven fell upon men, every hailstone weighing 50 pounds. Imagine, they talk about these hailstones, the sign of a golf ball. It does wreck cars, wrecks everything. But notice it says, And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Then one of the seven angels, chapter 17, who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth... Now, so the great harlot, this is Babylon... And she spread her false teaching all over the world. And it was nothing new. It was Satan doing it. But he got it from the gospel in the stars, this harlotry of worshiping a woman with a child. Now, what did God promise that there would be the seed of a woman, Mary, would bear Jesus? And that's in the heavens, that there's a virgin that's going to bear a son. You can see these in Satan can't get to the stars. He can change things and corrupt things here, but he can't change the ancient names of the stars and the constellations that tell all of these same things about even what's going to happen to him in the very end, like a great scorpion or like a great snake over the heavens. That great longest constellation in the heavens is one with a raven on his back eating him up. Well, that's the name of Satan, the great serpent, the great enemy of God. These are all in the heavens. Not only all the things, the enemies of God, but how God is going to defeat them and that he will send uh, his son born of a woman and that he will become a sacrifice for sin. That's all in the gospel in the stars. And 
right under Virgo. I didn't intend to even do all this today, but I've given you the pictures. If you don't have this Gospel in the Stars, it's over there, and, and you could get one when you leave. But I want you to see that Virgo is sitting there in the heavens, and right above her is a child in her lap. And underneath her is a two-natured creature, the head of a man and the body of a horse. So here is this two-natured creature. How do you understand it? Because the main star in the hoof of the horse says, the heretofore and the hereafter. So this is a picture of the God-man who is also human and yet God. You see this all the way through the Gospel and the start, the double, how Jesus is God and man in one person. But between his legs, underneath the belly of the horse, is the Southern Cross. And the main star in that is crux or cut off. And that's the word used in Daniel 9. Messiah will be cut off and gives the exact date that he'll be cut off when he's 33 years old. You can figure that out from Daniel chapter 9, that prophecy. And so the Bible is so wonderful and it gives you such peace because when you know these things and know how God is working and know the end of the story, it gives you great peace, doesn't it? You don't worry about, oh, am I going to go through this time? Am I going to have to see these terrible things? No, you aren't. You're going to be caught away before that time if you love Jesus, if you've trusted him as your personal savior. And so he said, I'm going to show you this great harlot who sits on many waters. So it started in Babylon, didn't it? Babel. And from Babel, they were going to make a world empire there and God didn't want to. And so he changed their language, scattered them all over the earth. And so what did they take with them? What was the Tower of Babel? It was with the heavens in its top. It wasn't a tall building at all. It wasn't Burj, uh, like over there, that you went to the top of, over, what's the name of that? In what town? In what? In Dubai. They can build tall, tall buildings that, if you get to the top on that tennis court, you can look up and see Babylon. I haven't been up there, but you have, haven't you? It was dark. I couldn't see Babylon. You didn't? You weren't looking for it? Did you have glasses? Spike? Anyway. It's probably 300 miles, but when God took Abraham, he said, and Moses, he showed them the land, and they could see all the land of Israel from across the Jordan. So in where those flat areas are with high mountains. But anyway, the Tower of Babel was not high. It was a ziggurat with the heavens in its top, with the zodiac in its top. And they were worshiping all the stars of heaven, they made named for gods and so this is when they were spread abroad they took all of this heathenism this idolatry this heathen worship of the sun the moon and the stars when you read through the old testament it's that their worship of the stars and the moon and it started in babel well then it spread all over the world i saw it in italy on the top of mountains the same thing i saw it in mexico they have ziggurats where they worship the sun, moon, stars. And so that's what happened. This woman sat on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. So God says, I want to be worshiped. Satan says, I want to be worshiped. So he's going to set up a false religion where they worship him instead of the true God. So with the kings of the earth, they committed fornication. That's called spiritual adultery. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. 
So the inhabitants of the earth, so it's all the earth still. So they ruled politically, religiously, and economically, and that's the way the Antichrist is going to do from Babylon. It's going to be rebuilt. So um, they call this worship of the woman, the, well, in Jeremiah 7, it's called the Queen of Heaven. In Jeremiah 44 and Ezekiel 8, they worship Tammuz and Semiramis in Egypt. And in Phoenicia, Ashtoreth and Tammuz. In Egypt, Isis and Horus. And I'm wondering if this uh, Isis new group is related okay. to this false worship. Folks, we're near the end, I think. <laughs> anyway, Egypt is Isis and Horus. They were the mother child in Egypt. And Greece was Eris and Aphrodite. And Rome was Venus and Cupid. And so she's called the Queen of Heaven. So whenever you see the Queen of Heaven worshipped as an idol, you know it comes from this ancient worship of the sun, moon, and stars. And so he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy. So here is this woman sitting or having to do with this Antichrist. So they're in, in league with each other. So there's a connection. Uh, there's connection between the seed of the woman and the false mother child. So she's sitting on the scarlet beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, in Daniel, there were four heads, weren't there? But this takes it back to Babel. What were the seven heads? Dr. Morris says Babel, Egypt, Assyria, and then Egypt again, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and Babylon. So all of these world empires way back, verse 4, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup. See, we read that, didn't we, in Jeremiah 51? A golden cup full of abomination and the filthiness of her fornication. So what was happening in Daniel's day is going to happen again. All of this is going to happen again in the end days. And I think things are setting up really for this. And so it says, she had in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. So all ancient paganism, Confucianism, Buddhism, Taoism, all of these things came from this same false religious system. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not. See, Babylon was and is not during John's time and coming again out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So Babylon is going to be reformed. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is, this is Babylon, here is a mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. We saw the mountain, didn't we, back there? A mountain means a king or kingdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So this false religious system swept the whole world and every world empire. 
There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other hasn't yet come. When he comes, he must continue a short time. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. This is the Antichrist. So he's the same sort of thing that started in Babel, the worship of the sun, moon, and star, and themselves making images of themselves to worship. And that's what he's going to do like Nebuchadnezzar did, make an image of himself and put it in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem that he's going to see is built. And then he's going to make people worship him. Well, it's going to be a terrible time. So he's going to perdition, this person, to hell. And the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind. They will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. And he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. See, the whole world is infected with this. And I think it's in America today, a lot of it. And a lot of it in the false religious systems and the the watered-down Christianity that we're seeing. It's it's very terrible where they deny the, the deity of Jesus Christ and deny that he literally rose from the dead. So the ten horns which you saw in the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is that great city, the seven mountains. It's the same thing. The woman in the mountain which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's Babylon. And after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having a great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and become the habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. See, this would be the Jews. Don't stay there for her sins, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. Now, some of the Jews will stay, but like in Daniel's day, not everybody left when Cyrus said you can leave. Only a few left, and most of them stayed there in Babylon. So he said, render to Babylon, repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she's mixed, mix for her double. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. So this judgment is going to happen immediately. Remember how quickly it happened when Babylon was destroyed and the Medes and Persians came in and took it. They undermined the river and went under the wall. So the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, 
and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle, sheep and horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for is gone from you. All the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. You shall find them no more. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great riches come to nothing. And every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads, cried out, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, that great city, Babylon, in which all who had ships of the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she's made desolate. But rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. And the sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, flautists, I guess it's supposed to be, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. And no craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her, in Babylon, was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. After these things, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power to the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he's judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he's avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants and those who fear him, both great and small. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. Now this is the church, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now next week I guess we'll go and talk about that from uh, the book of Matthew. Then he said to me, write, blessed are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship, and he said, Don't do that. I'm your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name 
written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's what it says in John chapter 1. He is the Word of God, Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That's the word. He created the world by a word, didn't he? And he's going to destroy these things by the word of his mouth. He will strike the nations and with the sharp sword, which we know is the word of God. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. So he's coming back now. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ. When he comes to rule the earth for a thousand years in righteousness, but he'll have to rule with a rod of iron. To start out, they'll all be saved, but they'll have children, and we'll talk about that next week. He himself treads the widened press of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the middle of heaven, Come, gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and captains and mighty men and horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the Antichrist, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And in Isaiah, the last chapter, who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from... See, Isaiah saw all of this the second coming of Jesus Christ, that he's going to come up from the south and he's going to sweep through and this is what he's going to do. He said, I saw the beast and they, they'll see the one who sat on the horse. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast into the lake of fire burning with sulfur, with brimstone, and Dr. Pentecost says this lakes of fire are midget black stars, blast off to a black star that's already burning with fire out in the heavens. They're already there. Cast them into this lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. That doesn't leave any doubt who he is, huh? And bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. Now, see, he's not going to be cast into a lake of fire yet, just a beast and false prophet. But he's cast into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. We'll stop here and start with verse 4 next week. And then we'll go back to Daniel where Babylon and Jeremiah has become a desolation, a heap. All of this, the vile person in Daniel 11, he'll come and become strong, and then he will fight. And so they will do all of this. There will be ships from the east, from Cyprus. All of this is going to happen. They'll come and die. In verse 35, some of these of understanding shall fall to refine them, purge them, until the time of the end. So now in verse 36, 
about the Antichrist doing what he wants to do. But remember that all of Daniel's prophecy, in fact, all of Old Testament, skips over the 2,000-year period of the church. It was not known in the Old Testament. You don't find the church in the Old Testament unless it's by shadowed forth, like Abraham getting a bride for his son, sending it to his people, the Syrians. We've talked about all of this. And so the whole Bible, it really fits together just like a thread and one thing leads to another. Lord, thank you for this much today. And we ask that you'd bless this time in your word. Just bless it and bless each person here. Bless our families. And we thank you for answered prayer, Lord. Just keep our loved ones safe. And if there's anyone in any of our families not saved, may we be faithful in telling them about Jesus and that there's one way getting to heaven, having their sins washed away. There's one way of escape, one door. That just like the ark had one door to keep people safe from the flood. But there's one door, which is Jesus. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he will be saved. Go in and out, find pasture. He's the way of approach to God. He died as a sin sacrifice for us. So may we remember this and share this with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Any questions on this? Probably are. Fred, anything that really explains why the devil has to be released after the thousand years? Because man will be tested. They say, the devil made me do it. So man will be tested without the devil. Uh-huh. And they'll still be bad. So <laughs> that's the reason for this. He'll come back and they'll go right to him again. That's man. That's the way we are.